Welcome to another episode of IJS Speaks, where we talk about technical analysis and the economy. My name is Katie Mark, your neighborhood financial economist. And today we will be talking about the dollar, interest rates, and stocks. The dollar has taken investors on a wild ride since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic lockdowns in March 2020 when the index peaked around 103 to now the index is trading around 104 the road from then to now however has seen a nearly 30 percent rally from the lows of early 2021 to the highs of fall 2022 while all of 2023 and so far into 2024 the index has been confined to a narrow range with only one notable attempt of breaking out last fall. The reasoning behind the movements in the dollar have evolved with the economic cycle or at least where market participants perceive the economy to be on the economic cycle. Interest rates proxied by the US 10-year Treasury for simplicity have sustained a clearer trend than the one seen in the dollar. From the start of the pandemic to now, interest rates have moved in one general direction, and that's up. We've seen three periods of consolidation so far, where some investors began speculating that rates were peaking, just to see a further sell-off in bonds and interest rates drift higher. Much of 2022 was spent with stocks and bonds moving in the same direction as the Fed commenced its monetary policy tightening cycle. The long-standing 60-40 portfolio model broke down and the yield curve began to flatten and eventually inverted. Stocks, proxied by the S&P 500 for simplicity, also sustained a clearer trend than the one seen in the dollar, with just two notable periods of retracement, which have both since been surpassed. Spring of 2020, at the onset of the pandemic, which was surpassed that summer, and most of 2022, while the Fed was well into its rate hiking cycle, which was eventually surpassed last month, January 2024. From a technical standpoint, stocks are breaking out of a continuation pattern, meaning that the market is attempting to do more of what it's been doing. Now that we have an idea of where the price of stocks in general might be headed, let's come up with a narrative, keeping in mind, the simpler the better. The lion's share of U.S. stock market returns were generated by five to seven tech companies in the last couple of years, both on the way up and on the way down. They dragged the market down when the Fed was raising interest rates because their future cash flows were being more heavily discounted, as well as some of their dependency on capital markets. Then. With the introduction of artificial intelligence, AI, and its rapid proliferation, 
The tech companies at the forefront of this technological rollout are once again dragging markets higher. There are suddenly innumerable opportunities for subtle increases in productivity across the U.S. economy and eventually the rest of the world, which suggests that businesses, large, medium, and small, can be efficient and profitable even with higher costs of capital as represented by general interest rate levels. The forecast for interest rates has been a hotly contested topic since we started experiencing rapidly rising inflation around the globe because of the COVID-related supply chain and labor market disruptions. The direction has been clear, higher rates, but the destination, what level, and the duration, how long, has always been contended. My interpretation of the inverted yield curve is not necessarily forecasting an economic recession, but more so a financial market recession, which we have already experienced and are well on the way to recovery and, by some estimations, a new expansion. A normalizing of the yield curve signals a positive term structure and a growing economy, or, at minimum, expanding markets for risk assets like stocks and real estate. Considering where unemployment levels currently are in the U.S., as well as the restructuring that is underway with global supply chains, there is enough structural pressure to keep inflation hovering above the Fed's target and to stay the committee's hand on cutting rates too much or too quickly. But if we are to expect growing productivity and profitability on the part of businesses, for this to be reflected in fixed income markets through a steepening yield curve, longer term rates must go up and eventually rise above where the Fed has short term rates set. This directional divergence between stocks and bonds to normalize the yield curve while the economy expands should reestablish the 60-40 portfolio model as a byproduct. Coming full circle, what does this mean for the dollar? The short answer is, it depends. The beauty of the currency markets is that you're always comparing something to something else. With nothing else to compare, currency traders tend to look at interest rate levels in one country relative to another and buy the higher yielding currency at the expense of the lower yielding currency. This explains why, while the Fed was in the midst of raising short-term interest rates, the dollar experienced a strong rally. Now, back to the opportunities for productivity gains from adopting AI. The U.S. is both at the cutting edge of developing AI and the largest and probably still most technologically advanced economy which positions the U.S. economy to be the largest beneficiary of the burgeoning technology. Relatively more opportunities to grow and capture profit, as well as relatively higher interest rates to keep structural inflation at bay, all suggest a positive midterm outlook for the dollar when compared to other developed economies. Outside of the U.S., we may tend to see structural and demographic issues 
that could result in lower growth and interest rates, which would further steer international investment capital towards U.S. markets by way of purchasing dollars. This could well be another period in history where American economic exceptionalism is once again highlighted and produces unprecedented levels of growth and development. Akin to the business cycle of the early to mid-1990s, during the introduction of the internet, and less like the early to mid-2000s, when we were coming off the bursting of the tech bubble, and the housing market bubble was itself entering its final stages. One key distinction worth considering is that in the mid-1990s, globalization was expanding, which was inherently disinflationary. Versus now, when it can be argued that globalization is contracting and shifting towards regionalization, which is inherently inflationary. This has been another episode of IJS Speaks. This is Katie Mark, your neighborhood financial economist. When in doubt, take profits.